and you are all in mood yeah yes, we, so we are all ready to go <laughs> so uh, i'll start huh sure sir let me have some water first i am feeling nervous because i have to face rakesh <laughs> <laughs> अरे जीत भी नर्वस हो गया नर्वस नहीं हो गया ना बोलते बोलते मैं भी थक गया सर यू कैन आल्सो स्टार्ट रिकॉर्डिंग ऑन ज़ूम सर या इस ऑलरेडी रिकॉर्डिंग ऑन ओके रिकॉर्डिंग इज़ ऑन हाँ नाउ गुड आफ्टरनून मिस्टर राकेश धनापु एंड आई वेलकम यू टू माय शो Thank you so uh, much. Sir. Thank you so much for hosting me. Now, uh, may I introduce myself? And uh, I am Wing Commander Goswami, and I am really impressed with your book, which you have written, Hundred One Flying Secrets. I don't know where you got this idea that people always feel instead of flying themselves, some butterfly keeps on flying in their stomach, and they have. they have nobody to answer their queries in fact if you uh, can believe me this morning i was talking to a gentleman 75 years old he i asked him what is what do you feel before flying he says i have one problem i feel if the petrol is finished in the sky there is no petrol pump here in bay <laughs> i said you uh, read this uh, rakesh dhanapus book and it is very well answered there now aircraft is fascinating to everybody when it takes off or when it lands nobody can remove the eye uh, from that but nobody generally has the access towards uh, one aircraft therefore there is a lot of mystery around it and we want to discuss with you some of the questions which again may strike the mind of a first time flyer and he'll never know whom to ask shall we do that absolutely sir i'm more than pumped to you know uh, take your questions and uh, be of some help to a lot of first time flyers who might be looking into this interview but before that uh, let us make our viewers aware that i am talking to a highly professional person on the subject he is aerospace engineer and also masters in aviation with specialization in airworthiness i don't think we can find a better qualified person to answer this uh, simple questions felt by a normal flyer thank you sir here i start uh i can see, i see uh, the screen of a air traffic controller he keeps on putting lot of small small bits and each bit i believe is representing one aircraft how does he control all that and how does he get to know the type of aircraft the altitudes speed location and everything at once 
please sir uh, this is definitely an interesting question for someone who hasn't uh, seen the back i mean the back side of the operations of how an aircraft departs from an airport or how is how is the aircraft managed so mm-hmm. air traffic control is a job like paying playing ping pong so you keep playing the ball you send information you keep getting back information so just like human beings have a identity card for themselves which shows yeah. away the name blood group and contact information which is vital in the similar way aircrafts are equipped with a system called a transponder it's like a avionic system so what transponder does is you know it's like the identity card for an aircraft so this gives away the call sign of the aircraft to the air traffic controller it gives them the speed of the aircraft and the altitude in which this aircraft is flying so this information which the aircraft gives back to the air traffic controller through the help of radar systems this will help the air traffic controller create safety safe separation between this aircraft and other aircrafts in the nearby vicinity so this is how an air traffic controller usually controls an aircraft and apart from that uh, uh, what happens is um, you know uh, uh, there are so many other aircrafts which one person might be controlling four or five aircrafts yes. Yes, so all of, right. all of these information put together on one single screen he can see where this aircraft is heading and where he has to put another aircraft in a safe manner so yes. that is how it is done what is the safety difference you uh, keep between two aircraft because they always fly in a very high speed yes sir so basically there is uh, there is this uh, technicality which which is involved in the separation of aircrafts so it's like if the two aircrafts are going in heading in north direction let us say there is one kind of separation for them if they are heading in the opposite direction one heading towards north and another heading towards south there is a separate uh, oh. separation there so usually oh it is 2000 feet in altitude as a separation for two aircrafts sir that is of a minimum yeah oh i see Ajay, tell me, uh, these uh, air traffic controllers—they are responsible for taking one aircraft right from taxiing in the, the uh, beginning uh, station to the end station. Does one man control all that? Um, no, sir. It, it it isn't that way. So the job of the air traffic services is usually compartmentalized. So when the aircraft is at the parking stand. and he wants to take a push back he wants to push back and you know start moving through the apron area of an airport now yes. he asks for permission from the surface ground control so this department of the air traffic services is responsible in giving permissions for aircrafts to move within the apron area so once this aircraft goes onto the runway close to the runway now this the the control moves from surface movement control to something which is called as the tower control which is the you know the big air traffic controller building that you see in the airport so that place takes over the control and it gives the uh, orders for the aircraft to take off so once the aircraft takes off it is just a second there's some audio doubling yeah so once the aircraft takes off the air traffic control tower which is facility uh, which is uh, present in the airport it guides the aircraft until 60 miles away from the aircraft and then it hands over the aircraft to another area control so it's like this sir entire india is divided into four flight information regions so one is delhi another is chennai and then you have um, kolkata and then there is another for, for maharashtra in the central place mumbai so these are the flight information regions 
So depending on from where the flight is taking off and where it is landing, the control of the aircraft it changes hands from one controller to another area controller as the jurisdiction of their flying changes. So that is how it is sequentially transmitted and then you know the aircraft safely lands back in the destination airport. So it's not just one person but a team of people who look into this. Yeah, this is a team effort I can know. But once uh, the pilot has taken off and then he's alone there, maybe a co-pilot to help him. But sometimes I have flown during the monsoon season. We can't see anything uh, down on the ground. And yes. a friend of mine asked that supposing he suddenly gets lost in the air, how does he uh, come back uh, to the right destination? So, uh, so what you just said right now, you know, getting lost in the air because of bad weather, this can be termed as spatial disorientation. So yes. what happens is most often during night times when you don't really have any geographical uh, references that you can see out of your cockpit windows yes. because it's completely yes. pitch black. So you have to completely rely on your instruments which are present in the aircraft. So instruments, uh, there is this instrument called as a primary flight display. So this shows the aircraft attitude with reference to the horizon. So you can see if the aircraft is tending towards left or tending towards right or nose up or nose down. So this will help a pilot understand the actual orientation of an aircraft, disregarding the spatial orientation, which is uh, which is prone to a human being sometimes. So that is how you can you know figure out the attitude of your aircraft. But apart from that, coming to the second part of the question, how do you you know safely land the aircraft during zero visible conditions? So thanks to all the instrumentation and the technology we have on board the aircraft right now, so there is this system called instrument landing system. So as the name goes, you have the instruments and this instrument landing system takes the help of different instruments on board an aircraft and also on the airport, the aircraft, I mean the avionic installations on the airport. These two together will help a pilot land on an airport safely, even in zero visible conditions. So this will give the aircraft both center, I mean runway center line alignment and then a proper glide slope because you know if this is the runway, you can't go like this. Instead you have to follow a glide path which will actually get you onto the runway properly. So this instrument landing system helps the pilot to land an aircraft even in zero visibility conditions. So that is how we are able to perform uh, good landings in Delhi despite the kind of uh, smog that Delhi has on a uh, general day. Yeah. Your uh, explanation is very reassuring that it is uh, pretty safe despite the weather condition going bad or things like that. True, sir. Now coming uh, to the instrument, sometimes I had had a peep into the cockpit and there are so many dials and knobs and this and that one can't really understand that what they talk about and where the pilot can look at all this at one time. But uh, I believe that altimeters, airspeed indicator, these are the two very vital uh, instruments which help a pilot to fly the aircraft. Now, yes, supposing one of them go bad, what does he do? Sir, interesting question, sir. Uh, just as you said, having a peek into the cockpit is one of the most exciting things for anyone to do. 
because i i completely feel that it's one of the best offices to work in the world because you are you're working at 40000 feet altitude who gets to work that way so definitely uh, a cockpit is a interesting place uh, because of you know the complexity of so many knobs and everything there so talking about instruments um, so what happens is both the captain who is sitting on the left side of the cockpit and the first officer who is sitting on the right side of the cockpit both of them have same instrumentations so oh, i see yes if i have one display which shows me navigation the co-pilot also has the similar display showing navigation so what happens is if my instrument is showing me something wrong i can you know cross check my instruments with the instruments of my co-pilot so in that way i can find out if there is some kind of a error with my instrument alone so we can cross check this way or let us say the worst case scenario all the instruments fail yes. so what can we do so in aviation it is all about redundancies you know it's like even if you fail you fail safe you don't fail and fall down from the sky you know you don't crash somewhere so what happens is even if your instruments fail you have this basic uh analog instruments which don't take any sort of power or no software nothing it is all old school instruments which are a part of every modern aircraft so this is as a redundancy so if anything fails you still have these instruments which won't fail so you can look into these instruments and you can still manually fly the aircraft and you can land uh, to safety my god this is so <laughs> much safe i think a bicycle can puncture on the way but aircraft <laughs> instrument cannot fail no so so many people trust their life with it so no option no option of fail rakesh uh, when we drive and come to the cross road we honk a lot so that other person can uh, can uh, be very very <laughs> alerted that we are but at night in particular we don't have even a horn on the aircraft how do we uh, avoid uh, Cla- uh, yeah, uh, collision between two flying aircraft. Yes, yeah, sir. I think um, just like uh, traffic jams on road, we have traffic jams in the air as well. So one of the most basic thing that a air traffic controller is bound to do is control this traffic in a safe manner, have a safe separation between aircrafts, so that everyone can everyone can exercise their freedom of air. they can fly properly but you know not collide into each one so we also had a few incidents and accidents that happened in the air where you know aircraft actually crashed into collided into one other and then you know everyone died and then there were also some near misses that happened in the indian skies so uh, it is believed that uh, the lessons that we learn in aviation safety is learned uh, with human blood as an investment because we have lost people they have paid their blood and through that blood we are seeking some kind of an uh, safety enhancements so in aviation we have something known as traffic collision avoidance systems so what happens is just as we spoke about the transponder instrument on an aircraft so when an aircraft is airborne this transponder uh, uh, supplies information of itself to all the close by aircrafts in its vicinity saying hey hi i'm flying here this is my altitude this is my speed and then once this aircraft gives away information the other aircraft too replies to this aircraft saying that hi i am flying here this is my altitude and so and so so when these communications come in place now these two transponders in accordance with the traffic collision avoidance system which is built into an aircraft they manage aircraft separation 
so let us say if they're coming close by despite all these indications now the traffic collision avoidance system gives a oral warning to the pilot saying that you are coming close to a vicinity of some other aircraft which is in so and so location so it yes. gives you a resolutionary measure so as to either you know uh, vertically go for a higher altitude or go for a lower altitude so in this way it is actually helping the pilots avoid any mid air collision This so is this is like the final difference. this is this is like the final layer of defense sir because the first layer of defense is already being taken care of by the air traffic controller who is already trying to maintain a, a safe distancing between aircraft exactly exactly yeah now sometimes we hear that uh, the wheel of the aircraft before landing it's refusing to <laughs> come down then yes. in that case what do we do sir uh, i think a lot of that has actually happened even during my time in the flight school um, there was another cadet pilot who actually went on with an instructor for a sortie and yes. thankfully there was the instructor on the aircraft and uh, their landing gear wasn't coming out it wasn't coming out and they were not sure if the landing gear came out or it even it was locked in its place so these are the situations that usually keep happening despite how many ever checks and everything that you keep doing but aviation has a lot of redundancies so let us take this example so what happens is the the pilot puts the landing gear down in the cockpit now let us say he doesn't get an indication that the landing gear has completely come out and it's locked in its place so what he does right now is he will cross check with his hydraulic systems which actually help the landing gear come out of the landing gear bay and come into place now he checks that and uh, it still doesn't help the situation so he goes on to the next alternative where he uses pneumatic systems which is compressed air so now the hydraulics haven't worked so he'll try with the pneumatics he will try the pressurized air to kick the landing gear out of the aircraft bay to put it into the position now let us say even that doesn't work now the nature is great god is great so we have gravity in place so what the pilot does is he completely opens the door of the landing gear and then he will allow the gravity and the weight of the landing gear to come out by itself oh so you know it's like you have three redundant ways of making sure that a landing gear comes out so it's not just one way if this doesn't work you crash that is never an option in aviation at all so you have one two three different redundant systems and that is the way despite doing that thing despite doing this three measures let us say the landing gear doesn't come outside now what can you do we have to perform a belly landing so that means when the landing gear isn't isn't in place to take the weight of the aircraft and provide for a safe landing you have to land the aircraft with the belly touching the runway or you know any other safe uh, airstrip uh, or you know any safe place where you can land an aircraft on the belly so usually what happens is they put up this distress call to the air traffic services saying that you know we are coming with so and so problem and then the air traffic control services what they do is they deploy this emergency services crew members who get onto the runway and in few countries what they do is they foam the runway they have foam in these emergency services they put foam on the runway so that even when an aircraft comes to touch on the belly on the runway it doesn't cause any friction you know because if friction is caused you have sparks that come up and then these sparks go and light up the fuel in the aircraft because fuel is stored in wings as well as the belly of an aircraft so this is how the risk is reduced oh there are lot many options there <laughs> yes <laughs> now another uh, very scary thing 
is uh, the hijacking of the aircraft in yes. fact in my in my uh, first book Re- uh, rear view mirror i have written a story and it's a true story that one lone guy he had hijacked one uh, indian airlines plane and held it up uh, for about 8 uh, 9 hours before he was shot by our commandos and for the passengers it could be a very st- uh, traumatic experiences what are the orders for the passengers in case of hijack can they get together and if there is only one man or two men they can uh, catch him sir absolutely good question but then this puts me in a difficult spot while answering sir it, uh, there is like no 100% answer for this thing you can't say what's right or what is wrong this is subject to the situation that is you know encompassing the particular aircraft in that instance so what usually happens is uh, the layers of security that are in place both at the airport or for the aircraft or for the crew themselves there are so many layers of security that the penetration of a person with an intent of terror for unlawful interference in an aircraft operation has reduced to a very great extent after 9/11 because 9/11 has been a biggest teaching for the world the twin towers and the crashing and the hijacking of that part has been a big lesson so with the kind of safety that we have in place the chances of a hijacker getting onto an aircraft is quite very very low right now because it's been a few years that we haven't seen a hijacking incident happening so that tells us that our systems are working but despite that thing let us say there's a hijack that happens the biggest thing is your cockpit has to be secured sir as long as a pi- i mean as long as a terrorist doesn't get access to the cockpit everything is good because you know uh, once the cabin crew informs the cockpit that there is a suspectful hijack that is happening in the aircraft the biggest priority of the captain and the co-pilot is to land the aircraft to safety as long as you don't create any interference to them they'll do that on priority while you comply and you know you facilitate to the demands of the terrorist rather than you know fiercely uh, reacting or revolting or staring them into their eyes or you know trying to be a hero without any proper information as to how many terrorists what are the weapons or you know what they can do on the aircraft if you don't analyze that part and you jump into it then obviously you're causing much more of a harm Uh, so usually these terrorists don't present themselves as terrorists altogether it's just two or three people who might come out and say you know we are hijacking this aircraft but they may be other terrorists who are actually pretending to be uh, normal passengers so we are not aware of it so this is completely taken on a case to case basis and you have to study the entire environment and then you know as passengers if you are pretty sure that you know if you do this xyz thing and you'll capture that particular person who's causing harm and you can take situation into control maybe you could do that depending on the situation and the communication that is in the cabin yeah and maybe in that cramped uh, condition and lack of communication between all the passengers they cannot uh, build up a team to do this true sir true true it's, it's, it's very difficult silence. to move in the uh, in the uh, short space which is there between two rows of seats true sir true true that's right another thing is that these days uh, uh, air travel has become very common yes. earlier it was a dream for us but now yes. uh, we can afford we can uh, fly down from one place to another and uh, despite uh, 
all this uh, price going up the common people very very down to earth people also uh, start, have started uh, traveling in the air, by the air now yeah. they do not have the culture culture of a flyer so sometimes yeah. uh, we find they are misbehaving misbehaving yeah. with the attendants and uh, getting drunk and doing all nonsense things recently one guy refused to put on the mask yeah so all these things are bad in taste but uh, what does it uh, does one do how do, do they stop all this sir uh, you have actually brought forth a lot of points here um, which are valid points right now india is uh, uh, i mean india is witnessing a huge surge in uh, initial first time flyers thanks yes. to the regional connectivity scheme called udan uh, which by name itself says you know ude desh ka aam nagrik so it is making uh, flying a viable thing for people so when this happens you have a lot of people who are exposing themselves to the aviation ecosystem for the first time these are the people who don't understand or know the uh, know by fact that you know aviation is a safety critical industry you just can't go the way you want or do whatever you want near an aircraft or in an airport there is a proper etiquette to be followed so etiquette is one of the biggest concern when it comes to both a civilized passenger and a passenger who's flying for the first time because you know you might be a frequent flyer but what's the whole point if you don't uh, follow the etiquette uh, on board an aircraft in a proper manner because in india the biggest factor that you will see is once an aircraft lands now everyone starts getting up from their seats now they jam pack the entire aisle of the aircraft now this becomes a stampede kind of a situation which is not good for safety as well so here sir uh, i think uh, airlines and the government has to take up this education uh, kind of an initiative where they talk about most general you don't have to lecture people don't want to be lectured at all but you know in fun and interesting engaging manner they have to educate people as uh, as uh, you know what are the a basic etiquettes that a passenger has to have that is where my book also comes into place because the premise of writing my book is that a passenger who is well educated in terms of the safety of aviation is always is an asset to an airline because more the number of uneducated passengers with regards to you know the etiquette of what has to be done in an air- aircraft or an airport now they become unruly passengers they don't follow rules they kind of trouble the air hostesses and you know other crew and they become unruly passengers to an extent where the airline has to blacklist them from flying so this will cost you both safety as well as you know efficient operations because there is a lot of delay that is caused by such unruly passengers trust me sir uh, i feel very bad to say this but then i feel really sorry for the international air crews that ferry a lot of indians because what happens is uh, many first time flyers they look at alcohol which is being served on the international flight they consume a little more than what is necessary or you know they go out of their uh, their capacity and they start acting weird so managing those kind of passengers or passengers who are not completely used to flying is a very big challenge for the air crew and i'm really thanks to them for their patience of handling such people but this has to be reduced through proper communication really a matter of concern another matter which concerns me that given the the pilot has to uh, do many jobs all together communicate with the uh, yeah, with the atc then fly their craft look at the safety all these things 
but uh, that has been much relieved uh, by the onboard computers which assist in a pilot's job but what i'm afraid that these days the role of computer has increased uh, i think more than necessary and uh, they create more problem than helping the pilot many accidents also had taken place in the past how do we uh, face this question sir uh, there are a few aspects to answer this question uh, first thing that i would like to highlight from what you said is the word called assist so here the computers are in place to assist the pilots and not completely take over at the moment though they can do it but at the moment they are just used to assist and in aviation sir it is all all in the part of the learning curve when it comes to accidents so let us say you are uh, i was thinking that you know you are referring to the boeing 737-8 flight crashes that That's recently right, happened exactly. because of the mcas system malfunction so this is a part of the learning curve and i think uh, aviation by far has risen to what it is right now because of this learning curve that they actually had there were a lot of incidents that happened previously and the kind of safety that we are enjoying right now is just because of those accidents that happened previously so i think uh, 99% of the flying in terms of take off and landing it's all manuals but apart from that the middle part which is the cruise phase of the flight where there is not much for a pilot to do apart from maintaining their speed and altitude that part is controlled by the systems which is called as the you know autopilot system which everyone is aware of the you the, the normal myth that people always think is that you know the entire flight from take off to landing is done by autopilot itself but no autopilot helps assist the aircraft or the pilots only during the cruise phase of flight where you know there is not much of a uh, maneuvering that you have to do with the aircraft but apart from that uh, automation uh, isn't uh, getting into the way of people right now uh, for example when we also spoke about the zero visibility landing now you can see how aircrafts are even landing in the worst weather thanks to this automation it is enabling them to land in such weather so but in future definitely sir we'll definitely go into uh, a humanless cockpit uh, uh, which is completely done you know through the autonomous autonomous systems like the drone which is flying without a pilot right now uh, so that will that will come soon yeah definitely oh this is i i didn't know about it thank you for telling me but uh, i have one more question regarding the operation of the aircraft when the aircraft comes to the to land even then its speed is very high but once it touches down i find that there is a huge sound comes and the speed gets controlled very fast how is it done sir uh, this is an interesting part because not many people know that on a average basis when an aircraft touches down on the runway it deposits 700 grams of rubber on the runway so you can imagine the impact of that speed and that inertia of sudden touching down of an aircraft on the tarmac so when you are talking about the speed of an aircraft during touchdown it is usually around 120 to 140 knots pretty much close to 252 you know 280 kilometers per hour speed so when you are touching at such a huge speed i mean such a high speed sorry what happens is um, you have to cut down the lift that is being created by the wings because wing is a geometrical shape which actually helps the aircraft lift into the air so you have to disrupt that flow of air which is going 
over the wing so that you know you create some resistance you create some drag and stop it so point number 1 is you use something known as spoilers just as the name goes spoilers spoil the lift they spoil the lift they stop the air from going on top of the wing they create resistance and through resistance you create drag and this drag will help you slow down the aircraft to certain extent but apart from that you also have something known as a thrust reverser which is a part of the aircraft engine so what happens is aircraft sucks in uh, i mean the aircraft engine sucks in air and it also releases the air from the back side right now you are trying to cut this flow you are trying to stop the air from going into the engine completely and coming out so rather you are deflecting the air midway and you are creating resistance through that air so these two measures are primary measures sir apart from that you also have the brakes on the aircraft wheels so this is you know used very judiciously because once you hit the brakes too hard there are chances of aircraft veering off from the runway you you know kind of runway excursion happens you completely get out of the runway and fall into the other side tracks or you can also create so much of heat in your brake pads in the aircraft wheels that there is a possibility of a fire coming in so uh, judiciously using this aircraft wheel brakes along with the spoilers that we spoke about and the aircraft thrust reversal system that is how such a high speed aircraft can come uh, come to slow speeds uh, after touching down yeah. so this is very interesting uh, answers you have given me and now i am afraid of life many people <laughs> think that they will die if they fly the aircraft now is there any uh, medical assistance or in case of emergency on board sir uh interesting question um, so a lot of people have butterflies when they fly uh, usually while take off they feel giddy they feel nervous they want to vomit so many other factors these are all you know mild factors i mean nothing is taken seriously of such nature but let us say if someone has a cardiac issue or let us say someone has fits or something you know uh, or someone is about to deliver or she's a pregnant lady and she's facing some kind of an issue once the situation becomes medically life threatening that is when you know the entire control comes into play the, the the cockpit is informed of such a medical condition and once the situation becomes life threatening usually the cabin crew members are trained in uh, first aid sir so when we talk about first aid it's about the generic first aid even administering oxygen is also done by them just in case if they feel breathless or something but uh, let us say you know if they suspect that there is no pulse or there is some breathing difficulty which is way more than you know basic first aid uh, can uh, mitigate then they ask for any doctor or any person who is in the medical field who is present on board an aircraft so usually what happens is international flights mostly they carry this physician emergency first aid kit sir so when you talk about a normal first aid kit it's like you know the general basic stuff what happens to cut wounds yeah. and all those kind of things but when you go to the physicians uh, first aid kit you have different medicines different medicines and even the artificial external defibrillator which is used for the cardiac things so after uh, the 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 identity of a person who's a passenger who's a doctor probably a doctor is identified by the cabin crew 
they usually ask the passenger who is suffering from that particular emergency whether they allow this passenger to treat them just in case if they're conscious oh, so see. once that is done now this physician's emergency kit is opened up and this doctor will start taking a call as to you know mitigating this emergency to an extent where it is manageable until the flight lands at the closest airport so as the flight lands at the closest airport there is a medical team which is already waiting on the aircraft uh, i mean apron area so once the aircraft stops the medical team comes in as a priority picks them up and they go for further treatment in a hospital facility but uh, uh, i think we have seen a lot of aircraft stories where you know ladies have even given birth to children so all of these children have been safe thanks to the doctors on board the aircraft who were general passengers and also the crew which have assisted them in doing so so this is how medical emergencies can be mitigated on board an aircraft Oh, this gives a lot of confidence that I can fall sick in the air even. But then suppose <laughs> we hope you don't fall sick. But just in case if something happens to someone, we have basic measures in place. Now supposing a cardiac arrest happens and he doesn't uh, come back, then yeah. uh, do we get a life insurance built in the ticket? Oh. Uh, well, uh life insurance sir uh, we have to first understand that you know the kind of operations uh, commercial operations that we are witnessing as a passenger in the present aviation scenario is usually the low cost carrier thing so in a low cost carrier they won't give you anything extra from what you actually bought which is just the aircraft seat from point a to point b nothing else not even meal or not even an allowance for your luggage Yes. so we are in this phase of the world where you know everything has to be chosen it has to be picked by the passenger now you book a flight from delhi to hyderabad let us say and you think you want to have a life insurance but not 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 many other people think of it because you know they're like okay i'm fit and healthy why do i need it that is the kind of mentality so what airlines are doing is uh, they partner with some kind of an insurance agency which provides insurance and they give it as a choose by option so while you are booking your flight ticket they'll ask you do you want travel insurance or travel health insurance or travel health insurance with you know uh, uh insurance for your lost luggage and all of that so it is up to you to pick that option pay that small premium price for that insurance for this particular flight that you're flying and that's about it so it's not an inbuilt feature of a ticket but it is something which is offered to you so it is up to you to whether or not pick up that insurance So if he ticks up, he can die in peace. <laughs> <laughs> not sure, sir. Not sure. Now uh, your uh, explanations have uh, thrown a lot of life uh, light in the uh, operations of the aircraft and other anxieties which one may have. But your book and these explanations, I believe, has a byproduct also. if someone reads the book and hear such kind of discussion maybe the some of the youngsters may be inquisitive about uh, flying and probably they can join the industry absolutely sir uh, my 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 book works as a window for a lot of people for frequent flyers who boast about themselves flying you know x number of flights or having x miles of flights this is also enlightening for them because there are so many aspects that people want to know but don't really know whom to ask 
because there is this shyness factor or an insecurity as to you know if i ask someone i may feel ashamed about asking someone so rather than asking someone you want to go and google something now google is such a big platform where you know you you are bombarded with a lot of technical answers but are you able to decipher those technical answers that's a big question so that is where my book 101 flying secrets comes into place because it is completely demystified from the aviation technical jargon it presents the subject in such a lucid manner that a 8 year old kid who can read english to a 80 to 90 year old uh, senior citizen who can still read from different walk of life they all will understand the simple explanations to 101 all sorts of questions silly to serious uh, about air aircraft operations that a general passenger would have so yeah yeah i hope more people join because uh, airlines is uh, uh, is an industry of the future like yes. in the us here was everybody flying and all that so we need more pilots and all but um, and ground crew but you tell me uh, if you have got, got any message for such people to inspire them oh <laughs> yeah i think uh, there is this famous quotation that goes by in aviation sir uh, an aircraft only flies against the wind and not with it so you know when you look at an aircraft it's a man made bird it's not a bird which is made by nature it's a man made bird when you look at a jumbo aircraft like airbus a380 which is one of the world's largest commercial airliner you're amazed how such a huge man made bird is able to defy gravity and fly that is only possible because this aircraft is going against the wind and not with it so my message to all the listeners or the viewers of this recording is that you know whenever you want to go go into heights uh, in your any part of your life take to heights in any part of your life you will uh, you will come against a lot of resistance like the air which comes against the aircraft which is flying but only this resistance will help you uh, go from lower altitude in your life to higher altitudes of your life so embrace this resistance go against the wind and take off uh, take off with your dreams yeah that that's very well said it's inspiring <laughs> and so uh, i hope i hope uh, you will come out with uh, more such books with more such ideas which is helpful to uh, the general public to enlighten them and uh, I must wholeheartedly thank you for your time. I know you remain busy, but you have spared so much of time for us. We are grateful to you for that. Sir, I think uh, I need to take this moment to thank you as well as Mr. Jeet for taking the time to host me here. More so, sir, uh, the kind of effort and the kind of determination you have at your age with regards to the interest in aviation and the time it is simply amazing there is a lot of lot of things that we can learn from you sir which i have physically done now through a lot of calls and interaction with you before this interview and it's really amazing and i look forward to having my hands on your books pretty soon sir thank you so much bye bye then thank you, you so much again. thank you thank bye. you sir see you thank again. you thank you thank you rakesh thank you, thank you.